Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker and welcome to Matters of Principle. Now over the past five months, our podcast has discussed many of the key issues principles confront on a regular basis. Now, no question, this has been a very challenging school year and it's kind of hard to believe it's now about half over. And more and more students are returning to in-person learning and we certainly hope that the remainder of the year will steadily get more and more, quote, normal for everyone involved. Now, I'm a retired school principal, as is my co-host, Jack Barkley. A big welcome, Jack, and I'm really looking forward to discussing more issues today uh, that are really key for school administrators. Well, thanks, Jamie, and welcome, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to another podcast. And, you know, Jamie, issues that, you know, we continue to address certainly apply with or without a pandemic. So this is not a crisis management around pandemic at this point we're talking about. It's just, it, it, we just have to keep in mind that the role of the leader in a school is to be ready for for things that can happen inside and outside of the school. And you know, one such issue for us, I think, is ensuring that principals have, we want to talk today about an appropriate response to various types of crises, which can certainly arise from time to time. Oh, there's no question, Jack. All principals at all schools at some point or another are going to confront a crisis. Now, in our two February podcast, we will look at crisis management. Today, we're going to look at the really stressing, all-important aspect of communication. And that's a key role for the principal in any crisis situation to make sure all stakeholders are kept well-informed with timely facts. And in two weeks on our next podcast, we're going to make it very COVID specific in terms of crisis management. Yeah, I like that that setup, Jamie, because it, it it we're not forgetting about COVID. It's it's certainly its its own challenge. But I, you know, you and I have talked about communication a lot in what we do as leaders. But I think it's just emphasized so much here. We, you know, crises in schools are are hopefully rare, but given enough time as a school leader you know you're going to face situations like this. And I think this is their reality. And so your proactive planning uh, can really mitigate the impact that they're going to have on your community and your staff. And, you know, let's let's be honest. You know, with, with the board we worked with, there there was certainly a crisis response, I want to say manual, that, that was developed and improved upon and, and uh, utilized. And it's really, really important to be familiar with that and we know that crises can happen on the spot they can happen you know you're coming back to it with something that's happened outside of school time so you, you really need to be familiar with with those steps in 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 handling them another key uh, say for the principal is to be able to communicate effectively through that entire crisis response process well i think it's key that the phrase at the end of what you were saying jack through the entire uh, crisis response process is, is huge, and we'll kind of break down those different stages in a few minutes. To me, the bottom line is effective communication helps keep people informed, because let's face it, they, they want to know, and they want to know the facts, and basically kind of what what has occurred, and what's going to be kind of uh, the plan moving forward. But also, I found in my career that it information helps people feel involved, and they now really have a kind of a, a more of an attachment to a situation because they now start to appreciate, frankly, how much it's potentially going to impact them. And also they, they feel empowered. And I think empowerment is something that 
really all of us to some degree take take comfort in rather than kind of being in this kind of whirlwind of things over which you seemingly have no control. And effective communication also, it is so important. It keeps the rumor mill in check. And I think, you know, back, Jack, to that kid's game about the telephone game where, you know, somebody has this little little tidbit of uh, information and they whisper it in the ear of the next person who passes it on to the next person and the next person. Well, we all learned as young kids, by the time it gets to about the 10th kid, A, the information is quite different than what the first person said. But also, I think you'd agree that it's not only different, but it's typically embellished because everyone wants to make it kind of more interesting and more interesting, more interesting. And inadvertent embellishment is frankly the last thing we need when we're communicating during a crisis. That's right, Jimmy. I, you know, when I hear that, it's a, it's a great analogy to that game. And, and I think that people will put their own spin on things. And then the more that that goes to other staff members and then other schools and uh, other people in the community, that message can certainly get turned around. So, yeah, the principle controlling the message as much as possible really helps to keep people calm, focused, and and unified as a staff. And, and, and as you say, like cared for as well. I think the principle also needs to balance uh, the message with being, not just being accurate in it uh, and sharing information, but being timely without jumping too quickly and being premature with the information. Uh, but but just timeliness is, is really important. Well, and that's really an art because if you shoot out of the gate and you want to kind of really let people know ASAP, then the problem is you're often not able to fully answer really kind of basic and frankly highly predictable questions. And then when these kind of obvious questions do not get a reasonable response, frankly, that just amps up people's anxiety. So you're right. On the, like you, you, you want to be get it out there in a as kind of quote as soon as possible. However, you want to make sure you're actually prepared because if you get into a lot of ums and ahs or frankly misinformation, which trigger retractions, that just makes everyone all the more anxious. All right, Jack, so let's begin kind of, I guess, kind of the broader view. We we often refer to it as kind of the 5,000-foot lens. We're kind of general crisis communication guidelines, which I think you'd agree would pretty well apply to any kind of crisis that's going to impact a school, either directly or indirectly. Once again, uh, I'm repeating what you mentioned earlier just because it's so important. Principles got to be sure the message is calm, clear, and concise. And this is no time for hyperbole. We don't want to get into those exaggerations, etc. On the other hand, people deserve to know the truth, you know, obviously within reason. There are, there are kind of a, some kind of exceptions to that. We want to be respectful to all parties. But in general, don't overly sugarcoat things. Because I always felt that people want to know. And say people on our staff were expressing uh, this information to them and sharing it with them. They want to know, but frankly, they deserve to know. All right, Jimmy, like when people have that knowledge in the right format, to me, it helps them carry on with their day and their week. Because even in the face of crisis, the school has to continue. Life doesn't stop for that. So you want to be able to continue uh, the, the good things you're doing and and, and uh, in your school and in your day-to-day work. So 
when I'm hearing you, we're projecting a balance of concern and compassion without getting overly emotional. And then I always thought in, in my mind, we want to outline a plan uh, that provides reassurance, comfort, and support for all of those people involved. And a lot of the reassurance to me comes from providing regular updates. And I think back that if something had occurred over the weekend, and it may well have occurred off school property, but it, it's going to directly impact the, the school in some way. Well, I think it's important to touch base with the staff and just kind of call a spontaneous staff meeting for a few minutes in the staff room before school starts on that Monday morning. And it's important there, once again, keep it brief, keep the facts, but let people know, give them a real sense of what's occurred. And that needs to be in person. I think that is really important. That is not an email. That is not a text. It is obviously not an announcement. That's in person. But I think subsequent information throughout the next few days, that can certainly uh, be relayed electronically. Um, with the exception, of course, I guess if there's a a major development or something very unexpected, then maybe the next day after school or whatever, I would follow that up with another brief in-person meeting. As you mentioned earlier, Jack, it's really all about balance. Right, Jamie, and I agree. Your point about time between the event and when you're talking to people, it's important, but you don't want that gap to grow too, too much. Now, there are several, we talked talk about general guidelines right now, but this is a time to turn now to the types of crises that we can look at. There's several different categories of crisis, crises sorry, that will trigger different, uh, although sometimes similar responses from the school leaders. And I think that the very first one we could touch on is, you know, uh, a stakeholder, accident or traumatic, traumatic event that affects them. Um, and, and I'm thinking here of, you know, it might involve students, it might involve families, a staff member, but that occurs off-site and outside of the school day. So, you know, as an example, a staff member loses a family member uh, in a car accident or, or there's a suicide or there's an altercation, a violent altercation that might uh, happen in a, in a family home. So this, there's a wide array, array of uh, types of crises, but they eventually will come back to you and it's how how do you handle these how do you work through them absolutely and they can either directly or indirectly affect staff students other families in the school community and i think you'd agree too sometimes jack those impacts are immediate and pretty obvious whereas the trickier ones i found were sometimes the impact in some cases it really lingers and it's much more subtle and it may not really kind of hit its peak for days or a week or two down the road. And you've got to really be kind of uh, responsive to that and also be aware of that, that it's not just kind of the immediate. And in all these crises, the principal is, I guess what I would call the information conduit, who is receiving kind of the middle of the hourglass, is receiving the information from various parties involved in the issue and then disseminating it to uh you know, kind of the broader staff and or the broader school community. And that's really a vital role. And yeah, Jamie, the leader's role, if I'm hearing you, is to help those stakeholders work through these situations and, and keeping that ripple effect in mind, how that will affect people. And it will affect people differently. And, and that further reminder, not to sound repetitive, but I can't emphasize it enough. Your organization, your board has a crisis response manual or guideline. And, and I think right 
from the day you become an administrator, you want to make yourself familiar with that and, and the key takeaways. I mean, we're not saying you have to memorize it, but you won't have time to go through the document when the crisis actually hits. The thing, the thing to keep in mind, too, is you're going to be speaking on behalf of others. And and I I think you always remember this is that you, you want to receive their permission to do so or a family permission to do so. Uh, you don't want to forget about it, but you want to make sure that you uh, have their support to do so moving forward. Ensure you have their support. And once again, stick to the coach script and don't sound more informed than you are. And that would certainly apply to any, once again, one-on-one -on -one sharing you might have with an individual or meeting with a small group in person or the whole staff. Or also, Jack, thinking of any kind of written communication, as you well know, some crises, by the end of the day, you're sending something home to families. And there again, we want to make sure that any any reference to anyone in this communication to your broader school community, it, the, the party in question, they are well aware of what's being said and are certainly supporting and agreeing with that. And it's once again, that fine line, we want to be informative, but we want to make sure we're not sending misinformation. And we cannot embed any kind of assumptions or opinions. It's the old kind of story. Stick to the facts. Well, that's so important, Jamie. And I, I, I think uh, how often the case was that we would seek direction from our organization, from the board, from board superiors, from our school team, counselors, support personnel, uh, etc., to help us frame our support, to frame our message. And and like to in, ensuring that co the common message is sent to all stakeholders. And your board's communication department contact will help you draft uh, what you're going to say. They want to draft this and, and put the message in your hands and in your control so that the key points are, are, are common and, and agreed upon. As mentioned, timeliness is so important because ultimately, a slow response is often seen as no response, really? as if the principal is kind of abdicating his or her role and is kind of doing the old uh, bury your head in the sand type thing. And from that moment on, once again, the, the trust of your community, uh, the kind of respect they have for you and the confidence they have in you moving forward is severely tarnished. And I think, once again, those kind of uh, connections with home and school and that whole trust element, it is really, really put to the test uh, during a crisis. Bottom line, Jack, is let's face it, people expect you, everyone on staff and frankly in your school community, expect you uh, to, to uh, call the staff together uh, during a time of crisis so everyone hears the same message at the same time. And I certainly learned that, boy, in those times of crisis, the staff is looking at you very much for you to frankly step up and take charge of the situation and give them a sense of confidence that you are in fact in charge of the situation. Well, that's so true, Jamie. And I, and I think of that as, as we were in the role as leaders, but also when we were teachers, we looked to our leaders to do exactly what you've described, you know, and, and we've mentioned before about staff and uh, stakeholders are going to be, it's human nature to be concerned about their situation. How is this 
crisis going to impact me? So I think by doing what you said, that helps them uh, get that answer and it helps them know how to work through it. I mean, there's, let's face it, there's stress. Uh, we want to stress to all that the situation is, is constantly evolving. There's not an end point necessarily that you work to and that, that as more information becomes available and as events unfold and develop, staff will be updated. And, uh, and undoubtedly, you know, stakeholders are going to look to the leader for this information, um, look for their guidance and their reinsurance, reassurance sorry, in, in a time of crisis. All right. Now, another category of crisis would be an immediate or an acute school-based event. So something that actually occurs in the building or on the immediate uh, school property. And, of course, then the question for school leaders becomes managing both the sudden and the ongoing impact of this given crisis. And, of course, as we well know, Jack, things can just, you can be having the very typical day in your building and everything's kind of humming along and lots of learning, lots of teaching, great, as the um, Beach Boys used to say, oozing good vibrations. And then all of a sudden, whammo, we've got an immediate uh, kind of unexpected crisis. Uh, now, I think it's also important that we don't want to be uh, repetitive and redundant, et cetera. And many of the common steps and responses that would very much apply to a school-based event, we've already really addressed. That's right, Jane. The, the one, the big difference here with this immediate school-based event is it's occurring in real time, uh, as opposed to something that might have happened outside of ours. So that, that, uh, you know, you, you certainly have the manual, you have things to fall back on, but this changes the dynamic where communication is going to be a little bit different and your immediate action to a situation, you know, really, really takes priority. You know, I, th I think of a situation where uh, a student might have hurt themselves. So you're addressing the safety component first, making sure that people are okay or the person is okay, and then you're working on the communication aspect of it. Well, you raised two excellent points, Jack. I mean, the overwhelming majority of crises that occur on school property certainly involve student injury. I mean, let's face it, that, that's number one on that list. And at that time, uh, absolutely, you're also so right that communication per se is secondary until we ensure that all parties involved are safe and the situation is stabilized for everyone. Right, and, and during... This kind of crisis, Jamie, it's that immediate safety of the given stakeholders, be it staff, student, parent, um, is obviously the top priority in the moment. And then contacting the appropriate supports in appropriate sequence, you know, EMS, the board, etc. And using your go-to people that might be in that area to help you with this, uh, I also found uh, really helpful as well. I think another key, Jack, is we've We've talked many times in our podcast that as school leaders, the last thing we want to do is inflame a situation. So I, th I think of the, I really think about discreetly, I would say, discreetly securing the overall situation. So if someone's had a bad fall or there's been some kind of phys physical altercation or whatever the case may be, really try to isolate that situation and kind of cordon it off in a subtle manner. So it's not a question of bringing out 50 pylons and drawing attention to it, but really trying to coordinate off, but in a, like once again, in a subtle manner. And I, 
as you know, we're, we're both big fans of the phrase kind of minimize the variables. So we don't want to be kind of a magnet that's drawing in a bigger and bigger staff and or student or parent audience. So kind of limit the audience, cordon off the area. And as a leader, of course, and sometimes you got to do this on very short notice, you're going to have to make the decision that for that given day, we may have to change the hours for lunch and think about, okay, what ripple effects does that have? How many families need to be notified, et cetera? Or maybe recess timing or, or yard routines have to be changed to accommodate uh, that situation. Now, we then kind of uh, really kind of progress along to, okay, in terms of working towards resolution, how will I know as a school leader that at least have we reached kind of a uh, kind of a temporary calm or kind of a lull in the proceedings where everyone is safe and sound? Uh, and then we can kind of work through exactly what occurred. As you know, Jack, the million dollar question is, are all, all stakeholders in the school, all kids, all adults, are they safe? Agreed, Jamie. And once we've established that, then we move towards, in, in this idea of moving towards confirming resolution, have the stakeholders been kept apprised and updated with accurate information. And And some information sharing is going to be very targeted. Let's Let's face it, and and again, we don't want to feel like we're moving to resolution too quickly and, and not giving attention where it's needed. Resolution to a given situation could take a day or, or even several days. Oh, absolutely, and as you well know, Jack, it's kind of the, the uh, magnitude of the initial issue generally uh, has a direct correlation with the length of time it will take to get to really solid, sustainable resolution. All right, so the kind of the next piece of this uh, crisis management puzzle, so to speak, I think is really important. And I think sometimes it gets overlooked. I think sometimes people kind of, you know, kind of wipe the sweat off their forehead a few days later and go, okay, I think we've got this resolved. But that's the time we need to proactively plan to help ensure we do not have a recurrence of anything similar in the future. So I would give it a day or two. And then with your admin partner and then with your uh, leadership team and frankly, ultimately at the next staff meeting, take a bit of time and review the crisis response as from kind of an, an objective lens as possible. And hopefully once you've let a few days pass, it's not so emotional and we can look at it a bit more objectively. And then, of course, this review should naturally trigger uh, looking at, OK, our safety practices and procedures which ones worked out really well, which ones, frankly, need tweaking. And, of course, at a very specific school level, we have to look at what changes or revisions do we need in our school-based safety measures and, frankly, our response to crises. Well, Jay, when I hear you talk about those key points, it's, it's really answering that question based on the situation that happened or the crisis in this case. How can, the question is, how can we do better? Uh, as a school, as a staff, as uh, in, in making things safer or in our response to crisis, how can we do better? And it's really important for the leader to not just act with compassion, but I think to listen or to seek that feedback so that you are even better prepared for the next time. And talk about acting with compassion, support and discretion when ad addressing that given crisis or situation is so key as well. And now, this helps us now turn, Jamie, to our final situation. Uh, we think of one that is based on a community or a world event that might impact the school. Now, that can be, I, I think, of incidents that 
we've heard of in our time as leaders, educators, uh, such as 9-11, the Sandy Hook incident, and, and the George Floyd incident and the, and the incidents in the, in the U.S. right now certainly have an effect on the day-to-day -day, uh, operations of your school and, and what the children are talking about, what staff is talking about, and so on. And, and again, I have really been appreciative of the, the direction from the board when certain given situations occur uh, as current events. Uh, they might come as a, as a message to all staff or, uh, you know, from board superiors, counselors, support personnel as well. Those are great conversations and resources for you to use as well. Uh, and, and ensuring that that common message is sent to all stakeholders and families. I mean, we have ways now of getting emails out to all families by the end of a day or, or into an evening. And again, we don't know how these community or world events are going to affect certain families. They'll affect one family much more differently differently than they will others. Excellent point, Jack. And I think it's so important as, for the principal uh, to respect, as you say, there'll be a wide variety of reactions, I think, across stakeholder groups and within a given stakeholder group. So it, it's important to, as principals to remind your staff, and as we mentioned a minute ago, it isn't just a day or two kind of after the issue. Think of like back obviously 20 years or so, say back to 9-11, like the impact at the time was absolutely shocking, but the ripple effects lasted for weeks. In fact, the ripple effects you can say are still in play to some extent. So it, we have to remind staff to pay extra attention to students and families who might really be struggling with some world event. And then the part of this, I think we sometimes uh just don't, don't frankly pay enough heed to is principals then need to also look out for staff members. The staff member can't always just be the emotional shock absorber for students and families. Staff members, of course, very much have emotional needs themselves, which principals need to be looking out for and doing their best to support. And also, I think it's very important for principals to be looking out for principals, uh, looking out for themselves and saying, okay, you know, as 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 an individual, how am I dealing with this issue, and should I seek additional support? I think that's a really important part for their mental health. That's so so true, Jamie, and and uh, that's where having a good network uh, within your principal group is so helpful with that, um, and having those relationships <laughs> with staff, uh, also relying on your employee support group that your organization would have as well, so that people can speak in in confidence support as well. So you really want to, to be able to facilitate those uh, struggling stakeholders and connecting them with those appropriate resources and supports, human and otherwise, you know, and so on. And as I mentioned, employee services is, is really huge at helping facilitate that and, and reminding your staff of, of that is so key. But the last thing that these struggling stakeholders need uh, in a difficult time is any misinformation or basic lack of information. Crises are obviously stressful for everyone and people, bottom line, deserve to know the plan. Well, this kind of brings back, Jack, kind of right back to our kind of opening point at the beginning of this podcast. This discussion stresses why effectively communicating uh, the plan moving forward in a crisis, uh, that is such an important part of the principal's role. 
and principles you're not expected to have a like the whole plan necessarily and frankly plans may be quite fluid and it, well, in any any crisis management I've been involved in, frankly, plans need to be very fluid. Uh, but what's comforting to staff and what's comforting to students and parents and anyone else in the school community is the sense that they don't need all the specifics, but the sense that there is a plan in place in a general sense, and it's been conveyed to them, in, once again, in a calm, logical manner, that brings comfort during a crisis. That's so so true, Jamie, when you hear all that. And it really is. I, I look forward to speaking the next podcast. We talk about being able to be fluid in a plan, be able to change as you need to and show that comfort. But I think of our situation now bringing us back to COVID and, and we'll talk about that. But what an example of where you have to change your plan with the information that you get. So we'll continue that discussion of effective crisis management by school leaders in a couple of weeks when we specifically focus on schools' ongoing response to the pandemic. And thanks, as always, for joining us today. And a reminder that if you have any questions or comments, please email us at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And we encourage your listeners to share our podcast with other school leaders. And a reminder to follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you again in two weeks on Matters of Principles.